Welcome. Good morning. Great to see all of you here today. Sarah and Steve Elzenrath, thank you for the breakfast stromboli. It's delicious. Thank you so much. And Fallon and Brad that brought the leftover king cakes. Thank you so much. It's like you just never know what you're going to have in next. You might have coffee. You might have a, a feast. It's, it's awesome. So thank you. Uh, we're glad you're here today. Welcome to Next at Grace Church of Central and podcasters, wherever you are, whatever you're, you're doing, we're glad that you could join us today as well. So today is February the 9th of 2020, and I got a couple of questions for you. Um, how are those New Year's resolutions going? <laughs> Just ended with some uh, with some stromboli and some uh, some king cake, yeah. Uh, but seriously, how, how are you making progress toward your goals? Don't raise your hand. Don't shake your head. Don't nod. Just. Just think about it, and, and here's what I want to tell you. If you're killing it, if you're crushing it, and things are going well, great. Keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing. But if you're like, oh, um, yeah, that hasn't really been a thing since, like, January 7th. <laughs> there's, look, there's still time. Whatever those choices you, that you made, whatever goals that you set, you set them because they're important. And there's still time. There's still time. You can get back on the stick. You can get refocused. You can get some help. You can get a partner, whatever you need to do. But you can do something this week to start back on that track toward progress. So don't just say, oh, well, now it's February 9th and I'm off the wagon and I just can't. No, you can. You can. So recommit and, and get yourself moving in the right directions. Philippians 4.13. Y'all have heard this one before. I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I think it's uh, only fair today that I give you a word of warning. The plan is to extend to all of us a very unique challenge but I'm not planning to give it to you in the way and in the same order that it came to me over the course of this past week, because I'm afraid that if I did, uh, you would check out on me and shut down and possibly even leave. So um, instead, what we're, we're, what we're going to do, we're going to go literally around the world um, and, and try to prep our brains and spirits for what's coming at the end. So here's the plan for today. I want to do a little teaching first on the four ways that God speaks to us. And then there are a couple of videos about some space stuff that I want you to watch. And then in the last 15 minutes or so, I want to share with you the origins of a prayer that I've been challenged to pray. And it frankly has me scared to death, um, but also strangely comforted too. And maybe by the time we're done, you will find yourself praying the same thing for the right reasons. So let's get into this today. I want to start, for those of you taking notes, we know how Jesus feels about that. Uh, four ways that God speaks. God speaks to us in a, in a lot of different ways. This is not an exhaustive list. I mean, Scripture makes it clear that God can speak to you from a bush or through a donkey if he really wants to. But let's face it, that doesn't happen for most people. Anybody talking bushes or donkeys lately? Okay, good. 
your medication's working. So this list, it, what, what it does, it's not exhaustive, but it captures most of the common avenues that God uses to speak to us and, and give us his voice and his will, I think. So I want to give them to you first, up front, and then we'll go through each one. But here they are. Passages. That's the first one. Passages. Then promptings in prayer. Then providence. And then people. So let's look at each one of these. The first one is passages. God speaks to us through his word, through passages of scripture. God will never speak to you through any means. I don't care what the means is. He will never speak to you through any avenue or means in a way that contradicts what his word says. It won't happen. If it contradicts his word or violates his word, it's not from God. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, heaven and earth, well, those things are going to pass away. But my words, that will never pass away. So God speaks to you through passages of scripture that are eternal and that are forever settled. You want to hear the voice of God? You want to hear what God has to say? Well, here's track number one. Read your Bible. Study. Your Bible. Set aside some quiet time every day with Jesus and your Bible. Write down some stuff that he says to you. I'm going to give you a great prayer. Pray, Lord, show me today in your word the thing that I need to see most. What you know I need to see, show it to me. Write some stuff down. That he shows you as you read your word and do that for 21 days. Look for Jesus in what you read and see what happens. See what God starts saying to you as you read scripture and write things down. He'll start talking to you, betcha. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 through 17. Paul's writing to Timothy here, right? And he says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. He's talking about scripture. And the things you've been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. I love this phrase, thoroughly furnished. You fully equipped unto all good works. So the first way that God speaks to us is through passages. The second is through promptings in prayer. And you're like, okay, Jason, that's two. I know it's two, but they go together. Because they're both the work of the Spirit. God may nudge you in prayer. That happens through the Spirit. It may come in the form of a vision or dream. It may come as a as a feeling in your heart. It might come as a thought in your mind. I love the passage in 1 Kings 19 where Elijah is discouraged because of the things that Jezebel had said she was going to do. And so Elijah runs off to a cave and God says, 
what are you doing here, Elijah? That's exactly what it says in Scripture, even in the King James. What are you doing here, Elijah? And uh, God says, step out to the edge of the cave. And there's this, this massive windstorm that says it actually breaks up the rocks of the mountain. Now, I've seen some hurricanes in my day, but I've yet to see a wind that breaks up the mountain. And then there was an earthquake after that. And then there was a fire after that. And then the voice of God spoke. Come on, y'all, help me out. In what? Still small voice, right? So not in the gale force wind, not in an earthquake, not in a fire, but in a still small voice. You know, Jesus often went alone by himself to pray, to communicate with his father. And it wasn't just a model for us. He was modeling for us. But he was also living out, guys, a biblical principle that is just as true as the law of gravity. 1 John 5 and 14 says this, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Psalm 102.17 says, I love this, He will regard the prayer of the destitute. If you're a hot mess, the scripture says he hears your prayers. Amen. And will not despise their prayer. Next is listen to Coop today. Pray. Pray. And God will prompt you. He will speak to you through the spirit and teach you what you need to know. That's what scripture says. John 14, 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So passages, promptings and prayer. Number three, providence, providence. God speaks to you through situations and circumstances that come up in your life. In Acts 16, Paul is trying to go somewhere three times to preach the gospel. And later on, reflecting back, he says, I now realize it was the Spirit of God that was preventing me from going where I wanted to go. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus tells the disciples, you want to know how to figure out whether you should stay somewhere and preach the gospel? Well, if they receive you, stay. And if they don't receive you, knock the dust off your feet. And boogie on down the road. Go somewhere else. I don't know if Jesus said boogie, but that's what he meant. So basically he was saying, you want to know what the will of God is regarding that place where you are? Well, what happens when you go? Do they receive you? Great. Stay and preach. If they don't, adios. Move on. If we can discern what is happening in our lives, then we have some ideas about what God is actually trying to say to us. In Psalm 37, 23, it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Look at Psalms 139. This is verses 15 and 16, actually in the NIV. It says, my frame is not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Wow. So stuff that's going on in your life that gets your attention, and God knows how to get our attention, 
just might be that God is trying to speak to you and point you in a direction. Now, it might be a situation at work. It might be a health issue. It might be stuff going on in your family. Or it might be a text message from a friend. Or that friend that emails you articles or devotions. Or they send you a text message. Or it's a sermon that you happen across. A phone call out of the blue from someone. This is providence, folks. This is God at work in our lives. Look, I don't believe that God deals in coincidence whenever it comes to his children. He loves you too much. Look for his hand in what's happening in your life, and you will hear his voice. And then the fourth one is people. People. God speaks to us through the people that he has placed in our lives. Now, it may be a pastor or another spiritual authority. It might be parents, teachers, mentors. Romans chapter 12 says that he gives us prophets and teachers. It might be a spouse or a friend. It might be a stranger on a mission. You ever had a stranger walk up to you and drop a word on you out of the blue? God uses people. Hebrews chapter 3 tells us to encourage each other daily. I love these. Look at this. Proverbs chapter eleven fourteen. Where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Next one, Christy. Proverbs 15. Without counsel... Purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Count them, y'all, because three times the Bible tells us that counsel from other people, there's wisdom in it, there's safety in it, it's good for you. God uses people, and he will speak to you through the people that he has strategically placed around you in your life. Like it or not, God decided at some point that you needed Jason Cooper in your life. And some other people, too, to make up for me, right? But God gives you right and good direction through those people that he's placed around you so that you can live a better life. And look, there are other ways that God speaks to. He can speak to you through creation and nature. He can speak through an audible voice. He can speak through angelic messengers. Um, that, this list that I gave you today is not exhaustive. I couldn't make an exhaustive list, first of all, because God never runs out of ways to be creative and talk to people. Um, and second of all, I'm not really capable of making an exhaustive list where everything starts with the letter P. All right, so kind of run into some creative difficulties. But in any case, these are the ways that God talks to us. And folks, God did some talking to me this week. Through every single one of the methods that I've talked to you about today. Because he didn't want me to miss something very important. And that's what I want to share with you today. But before I do, I want to show you a couple of videos. And those of you that know me, you're probably just shake because you know this. What I'm about to show you, this is just so me. Um, but uh, this first video that I'm going to show you, I'd seen before. But someone sent it to me Thursday morning of this week. And I watched it again based on what I knew God had already spoken to me on Monday. So this video came to me on Thursday. But God had already said something to me about this on Monday. So it was especially meaningful. So um, here it is. Um, could somebody get the, just grab the lights right over there? And Chrissy, roll that first video for us. 
the video, the whole thing's about seven and a half minutes long. We're going to watch about uh, four and a half minutes of it today, and then we'll move on to the second one. I hear nothing. Where they're quite close together. Something like that. If you look up an image of the Earth and Moon, you're going to get a picture where they're quite close together. Something like that. But in reality, the Earth and Moon are about, about that far apart. That is the Earth and the Moon to scale. Taking the same concept, but for the solar system, every single picture of the solar system that we ever encounter is not to scale. If you put the orbits to scale on a piece of paper, the planets become microscopic and you won't be able to see them. There is literally not an image that adequately shows you what it actually looks like from out there. The only way to see a scale model of the solar system is to build one. Welcome to Black Rock Desert. This is Alex, I'm Hi. Wiley. He's gonna be behind the camera. I'm gonna be probably making a lot of mistakes on camera. We have 36 hours to measure the distances, trace out the orbits, and set up a time-lapse shot from up on top of a nearby mountain. To create a scale model with an Earth only as big as this marble, you need seven miles of empty space. So that's why we're here. Why did you guys come? I don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> At this scale, the sun is a meter and a half, so about, about that big around. So we are driving right now to Mercury, and we've arrived. Venus is the same size as Earth. I have the world in my pocket somewhere. And Earth. And this is Mars. We've got a couple of robots rolling around on that one. Once the time-lapse is ready, we'll drive each orbit with a light. Hopefully, you'll be able to tell just how big they really are. Onward to the outer planets. Jupiter. tiny light out there is our sun, just over a mile away. 
the sun's way, way out there now. solar system. Isn't that cool? So and they right left now, off Pluto. Poor Pluto has an identity crisis. We don't really know what to do with it. No, but keep that one. Keep this video in mind. Keep what you just saw in mind. So let me just drop a few facts on you, um, because you may think that you are sitting still here in your chair as you sit in next at Grace Church of Central on February the 9th, but uh, you're really not. You're far from it, because our Earth is spinning on its axis at a speed of around a thousand miles an hour. And in addition to that axial rotation, as we just saw, the Earth is moving through space as it rotates around the sun at a speed of 67,000 miles an hour. And then the whole solar system, the sun, the Earth, the rest of the planets, rotates around the center of the Milky Way galaxy at a speed of 490,000 miles an hour. And then the Milky Way galaxy along with some other galaxies in our neighborhood, is moving toward a massive structure of a network of galaxies called the Great Attractor at a speed of 43 million miles an hour. Now, our sun is, on average, 93 million miles away from Earth. A photon of light makes that trip in a little over eight minutes. If you were flying commercial, Delta, Southwest, 550 miles an hour, it's going to take you 19 years to make that trip flying 24-7. But to get to the sun's nearest neighboring star called Proxima Centauri, it's only 4.3 light years away. So if you could travel as fast as a, photo, a photon of light, you could make that trip in 43 or 4.3 years. But if you could travel at the fastest speed ever attained by a man-made object, 35,000 miles an hour, it would take you 81,000 years to get to the star closest to the sun. Now, why does all of that matter? Why the space stuff, Coop? What does, what does that have to do with anything? Why the facts and figures? Space is big. We're little. I get it. Well, let me take you back to Monday morning. Day one. I'm, I'm going to get emotional. Day one of dangerous prayers. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh by Craig Grishel. I woke up early Monday morning. It was 3 a.m. Couldn't go back to sleep, so I just decided to get up and start reading, and I came across a devotional um, based on Craig's new book. It just came out this week, and uh, here's the copy from day one. Dangerous Prayers. Craig said, like so many people, I struggled to pray consistently and effectively for years. Even with good intentions, I'd often get distracted and even bored when I prayed. As a young pastor, a friend of mine helped convince me that it was time for a change 
For too long I had tolerated faithless prayers, but knew God wanted more for me, and I wanted to know Him more intimately. He said, hey, Craig, do you believe God still does miracles? Of course I do, I said. Good, because your prayers are lame. I tried to laugh with him, but my friend's joke stung, mostly because he was right. Left speechless, I offered no defense as I processed the truth of his observation. I couldn't deny that he voiced a secret I already knew but didn't want to admit. My prayers were pathetic. This plan is for anyone who feels stuck in a prayer rut, praying repetitive, predictable, and safe prayers. We serve a God who can do more than we can ask or imagine, so it's time to stop playing it safe. We weren't created for a life of comfort. (laughs) We are passionate and powerful, charged with changing the world in radical ways. I believe this plan will encourage you to break through the boundaries and will inspire you to pray dangerously and to live boldly. As I studied the Bible more, I marveled at the variety of prayers spoken by God's people. Not only did they pray about things that were incredibly personal, to conceive a child, for instance, but also their prayers were often so, often so often practical for food and for provision and to escape from their enemies. Sometimes they seemed to gently whisper to a loving God. Other times they yelled at him in agony and frustration. Their prayers were honest, desperate, fiery, gutsy, real, And there I was praying that God would keep me safe and bless my burger and fries. My friend was right. My prayers were lame. Maybe you can relate. It's not that you don't believe in prayer. You do, but you're stuck in a rut. You pray about the same struggles and ask the same requests in the same way at the same time. If you even pray at all, you probably know you should pray more and with more passion, more faith. You want to talk to God and you want to listen to him to share an intimate conversation like you would with your spouse or a best friend. You really want to, but you're not sure how. So your prayers remain safe, flat, dull, predictable, stale, boring. My friend's wake-up call convinced me that it was time for a change in my prayer life. For too long, I had tolerated lackluster, faithless, and mostly empty prayers. I knew God wanted more for me, and I wanted to know him more intimately, despite my hesitation about what it would require of me. When we're seeking to communicate with God in real, vulnerable, and intimate prayer, he's not wrapping us in a bubble of spiritual safety. Instead, he bursts our what's-in-it-for-me bubble and invites us to trust him when we don't know what he will do next. Some days we feel blessed. Other days we face challenges, opposition, and persecution. But every moment of dangerous prayer will be filled with his presence. Are you ready for more? Are you sick of playing it safe? Are you ready to pray daring, faith-filled, God-honoring, life-changing, world-transforming prayers? If you are, then praying dangerous prayers is for you. But be warned, there will be bumps. When you start to pray things like search me, break me, send me, you may experience valleys, attacks, trials, pain, hardship, discouragement, even heartbreak. But there will also be the joy of faith, the marvel of miracles, the relief of surrender, and the pleasure of pleasing God. It's time to stop praying safe. It's time to start talking, really talking, and really listening to God. It's time for dangerous prayers. Okay, cool, Craig, cool. I'm curious, I'll bite. Let's see what you got. I've got time this morning. Read the whole thing. So I read the whole thing Monday morning. Day one, dangerous prayers. Just read it to you. Got it. 
Day two, your will be done. Okay, I've prayed that before. Day three, search me. Hmm, kind of risky, but it's necessary, doable. Day four, reveal my fears. All right, I'm a chicken, and I know it, and God knows it. I'm working on it. And I got to day five. Craig said, it's fine to pray for safety and blessings, but what if you want more? What if you desire power from the Holy Spirit, strength from heaven, unshakable faith, and genuine intimacy with your heavenly Father? Who wants in? Some of you didn't raise your hands because you're scared. Instead of just asking God to keep you safe, give you more, protect your life, you may have to ask God to break you. When I think about praying this prayer, Lord, break me, I think about the experience Amy and I had once in our small group on a blustery cold Wednesday night in January. We sat around a warm and cozy room with seven or eight other couples talking about this exact dangerous prayer. We all agreed that we wanted to pray it and mean it, but we couldn't deny being afraid of the consequences. The first woman who spoke took the possibility seriously but acknowledged her struggle. She was a loving wife and mother of four. She had followed Jesus faithfully since she was a sophomore in high school. She served in the kids' ministry at church. She tied faithfully, helped foster children, attended a weekly Bible study, and often volunteered to pray out loud in groups. But when confronted with the option of asking God to break her, she refused. Sorry, but I've got to be honest, she said. I don't want to ask God to break me. I'm afraid of what will happen. I'm a mom with four kids. I love them too much. Asking God to break me is simply too scary for me to ever pray. What if I get sick or depressed or pulled away from my family? Most of the other people in our small group that night nodded in agreement. But my question then remains the same for all of us today. What are we losing by clinging to our comfort? What are we missing out on because we're so committed to avoiding pain and discomfort? Jesus said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever will lose their life for my sake will find it. Jesus isn't inviting us to a life of comfort and ease, but one of surrender and sacrifice. Our highest desire shouldn't be for our will to be done, but for his will to be done. And Jesus is inviting us to die to our own lives so we can live moment by moment, day by day for him. To leave our cozy living rooms and safe prayers in order to know what it means to be broken for the sake of others. By playing it safe, we are missing something far more precious than our security and comfort. We don't realize what blessings may be on the other side of God's breaking. Luke said, and Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Almost all Bible scholars agree that Jesus' instruction to do this provides believers a way to remember, honor, and celebrate his death and resurrection. But some believe that Jesus' do this also refers to how we are to live. What if Jesus wasn't just talking about a ritual that we do occasionally at church? What if he was also inviting us to be broken and poured out daily? 
What if we had the courage, the audacity, the faith to pray, God, break me. We don't just remember Jesus during Holy Communion at church. We remember him and how we live our lives every day because Jesus' body was broken and because his blood was poured out for us, we too should live daily for him, broken and poured out. This may not sound appealing at first glance, duh, right? Who wants to be broken and poured out? That sounds painful at best and miserable at worst. But it's in the giving of our lives that we find true joy. Rather than pursuing our will, we surrender to his. Instead of trying to fill our lives with everything that we want, we empty our lives to make a difference in the lives of others. True brokenness before God isn't a one-time event. It's a daily decision. Paul said, I die daily. What does that mean? Every day, he chose to crucify his own desires so he could live fully for God's. If you have the courage to pray this prayer, get ready. Get ready to know God and be known by God in a way you've not experienced before. You can play it safe. But my gut is that you want more than that. I choose different. I am a faith-filled, bet-the-farm risk-taker. I will never insult God with small thinking or safe living. And if there are blessings on the other side of brokenness, then break me. So it was still early on Monday morning, and I still had plenty of time to pray and talk to God before going to work, but I didn't want to open my mouth, because when I did, I was going to have to tell him the truth. I don't want to pray that. I'm terrified of what breaking would mean and look like. But it's like God was waiting because he knew that it was our talking time and he knew exactly why I wasn't saying anything. And I can't go back this morning and and recreate the entirety of that discussion for you. Some of it was intensely personal, but I, I do want to try to give you some highlights. So I'm outside walking my driveway Monday morning. It was a little cool, low or upper 40s, low 50s. I'm in my favorite hoodie, though, and I'm walking and I'm talking. And, and this is what God just drops on me in like mid-step. He said, you don't want to pray, break me, because you're scared. I was like, uh-huh. And he said, you're scared because you don't trust me. You say you trust me. But you don't really trust me. Because if I'm good, like you tell me I am all of the time, then I'm always good. Even in times of breaking, I'm good. So then it was like bargaining time, right? So it's like, okay, God, I I get it. You're not going to leave me alone about this. So if I pray that, and I'm not going to pray it until I can really mean it, But if I pray that, don't let it be my wife and don't let it be my kids. Let it be me, my health, my job, my dream. If you need to break something, then break me and not them. And God said, 
That's not how this works. You don't get to put limits on me. There are no concessions. Besides, if I'm good, then not only is the breaking I decide to do in your life good, but the way I choose to do it is also good. Right? So now I'm like scared to death. I'm I'm being very transparent with you guys today. Like I thought I was scared before, but like now I'm like really scared. And that's whenever God reminded me of some things because it was still dark and I could see the stars. And he said, Jason, you do realize that you don't actually control anything anyway, right? You know all of this, he said, like, he said, you know all of this space stuff. You spend hours on YouTube watching this stuff. You're on a tiny rock that I use as my footstool, traveling millions of miles an hour through a universe that I created with the power of my word because I wanted to. You can't even control whether you take your next breath or not. And you're worried about how I would choose to move in your life? Where's your faith? My goodness aside, where's your faith? In yourself? In your job? In your health? Or is your faith in me? And if your faith is in me, and your trust is in me, then that means all of your faith and all of your trust has to be in me. For everything, in everything, through everything, for everything. All of the time, no exceptions, no concessions, no exclusions, no provisions, no stipulations. If I'm Lord, then that means I'm Lord of everything in your life all of the time. So at this point, guys, I'm like a slobbering, blubbering, just mess. I'm crying. I'm like falling down in the middle of my driveway. People passing by. I'm glad it was dark and they couldn't see me. I don't even know what planet I'm on at this time. And I don't know what time it is. And I'm like, okay, God. Y'all know how you get whenever you get sloppy with God. You win. You win. Break me. However you need to break me to use me the way you want to use me. Break me. For the record, Lord, I'm really scared of what that means. But I can't control any of it anyway. So you do your thing. And it wasn't audible. But in my spirit, this is what I heard. Hmm. Interesting. So I did some more talking and walking, and then I had to get ready for work at UVA, and there in my silver 2016 Nissan Murano, somewhere around Florida Boulevard in Old Hammond, I'm talking, and this is what Jesus said. He said, you remember the bread at the Last Supper? I was like, yeah, Craig talked about that. He said, what I break, I bless. He said, you remember the loaves and the fish? I said, yeah. He said, I broke that too. What I break, I multiply. Now, what's going to happen? No idea. 
No idea. But my trust is in the Lord. Because he is good. Always. All of the time. Psalm 145 says the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all of his works. Psalms 20 and 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I'm over time. Let me just leave this with you and we'll pray. Folks, if, if you're challenged today to pray this way, I want to tell you something. He will not be contained or limited in your life. He refuses to be contained and limited. He's not interested in being my compartmentalized, safe little Jesus that I pull out of the box whenever I encounter something that I can't handle. You want him to take control of your thoughts because you're struggling mentally? Fine. But he wants control of all of them. You want him to take control of the desires of your heart? It's fine. But he wants control of all of them. He's willing to come in. But he's not willing to have this limited, boxed-in, safety valve role in our lives. He wants to be Lord. And that means he is Lord of everything, always.